well, what are they going to do? They're going to say, Mr. Trump, you lost the election. He's just going to say, wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong. No, I got the moving trucks. I won. We're moving in. We're going to paint the place purple. It's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be a great president. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, your guide, your shining beacon of liberty, Mark Clare. Welcome back, my Liberty Laureates, to another edition of Lions of Liberty, your home, as always, for great, compelling, fun, exciting, interesting, I hope at least one of those applies, conversations about the ideas of liberty, and we're doing it here again today in this, the 256th episode of this program, which of course means you can find today's show notes featuring links to everything we discuss and eh, who knows what else over at lionsofliberty.com slash Two five six, And if you're a fan of this program, I can only imagine you are a fan of, well, libertarian podcasts. And if that's the case, I've got a couple to recommend for you, starting with my pal Roger Paxson over at the Lava Flow podcast, along with my friend Chris Bengel and the We Are Libertarians podcast. And of course, you cannot forget my man Johnny Rocket Adams and the Johnny Rocket Launchpad. These are all podcasts worthy of your time. Check them out. Well, folks, as you know, we recently had the third and final presidential debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. There was no Gary Johnson to be found or Jill Stein or Daryl Castle or any other candidates for that matter. And uh, as we often do, I gathered a team of Liberty Lions to have a few adult beverages and discuss the debate after it was over. Now, it's been a few days. I know this debate happened last Wednesday, but we are trying to keep on track, keep on our schedule. We didn't want to, you know, bump Felony Friday from the schedule. We had a great episode this past Friday. Go back in your podcast feed and check it out if you haven't already. But there is a way some of you may have already heard this conversation because I posted it on our YouTube channel several days ago. And that is something that I will do from time to time, so be sure not to miss anything. And if you haven't already, go and click subscribe on our YouTube channel. And you would know about this if you were a member of our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. So I highly encourage you to go join that. It costs you nothing. As long as you look like a real person, we'll get you right in there. All you got to do is type Lions of Liberty Forum in your search bar on Facebook. Of course, we'll also link to it at the show notes for today. This stuff's really easy. We make it really easy for you. Now, guys... Enjoy the conversation. All right, guys, and I am so excited to once again gather around another crew of Liberty Lions to toss back a few adult beverages and once again discuss another debate between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, the last debate, the final debate. Thank God this is all over, but hey, it gives us an excuse to gather and have another conversation in what we call libertarians in living rooms drinking liquor and i'm going to get things started by bringing in the crew beginning with my fellow lions of liberty co-founder along with brian mcwilliams the host of the weekly felony friday podcast he is of course john make liberty great again odor matt odie what's going on man <laughs> i love it i love the new nickname and you can get your make liberty great again hats at igniteliberty.us just enter code liberty at checkout for 10 percent off your order that did not feel forced at all <laughs> and that, that's what i like about it our very natural plugs and it's true you can indeed go to igniteliberty.us and get yourselves a make liberty great again hat or t-shirt and maybe it'll help start a conversation you know because that's what this is all about starting conversations about the ideas of liberty that's what it's all about that's what it's all about we're gonna be having some conversations tonight about that uh, debate and about 
all the other crap you were just talking about. I guess that's a technical term, crap. Crap, yes, that is the technical term because that's what we're known for here at Lions of Liberty. We're known for our eloquence. But on these shows, we're also known for drinking some alcoholic beverages. So actually, before I ask you about yours, I got to tell you about mine because I'm actually sitting here drinking a uh, – eh, it's not too manly of a drink, I guess, but it is a, a, a Angry Orchard hard cider. It's got alcohol in it. It's delicious. What can I say? And you made fun of me for my Henry's hard whatever it was that last show. Oh, I don't know if I was making fun. It's just, you know, good old-fashioned joshing around. Well, I'm making a, making a run at that Sweetwater sponsorship. I'm drinking Sweetwater again, the Hash, uh, Hash Session IPA. So we learned about the Session IPA last time from JB. We did. So went out and got some. Now, this is a Hash Session, so how, how's that different from a regular session? I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, I guess so. we'll find out. We'll find out by the end of the show. <laughs> There's Hash in it. Oh, who is that? Well, I guess we'll bring in our next guest. <laughs> JB Lubin, welcome on in, buddy, from Philadelphia. I, I just had to chime in. I just assumed that there would be hash in that session, IPA. Why would you assume know, that? Considering the name. Okay, well, I guess that is a fair assumption, considering the name and all. So, JB, what exactly are you sipping on there in the the city of brotherly love? I'm actually drinking a, a Portuguese white wine today and classing it up a bit for this session for, for the last debate before we uh, hit the ballot box. How do the Portuguese so. and, the, uh, and the French get along, generally? Because as, as some of you may know, JB is our resident Frenchman, although he is an American citizen. I, as of right now, pretty well, pretty acclimable, I think. The, the French have pretty much fought everybody on the face of the earth at one point of it or another, and it's like 1,400-year history, but... Uh, probably not for a few hundred years with the Portuguese. So I, things are going pretty well, I'd say. Well, that's good to hear. How's that Portuguese wine treating you then? I don't think I've ever had any Portuguese wine. I've had some, but normally they're reds. This is the first white one I had. I don't know grape or region, so I can't really tell you much of it. It's just what we had and it paired well with my dinner tonight. So that's you you and me, man. We're (laughs) hardcore manly drinks over here. Exactly. And speaking of hardcore, We're now going to pivot over to Cleveland, Ohio, to bring in our man, the mysterious legal scholar, Rico. Yo, what's up, my friend? Oh, not a whole lot. Just hanging out, having some drinks, doing a podcast, you know, typical evening. Now, congratulations are in order, my friend, because as I mentioned, you are from Cleveland and your Cleveland Indians just locked in their World Series spot today. So pretty exciting stuff. I quite, quite pumped up today. Extremely happy. I'm surprised you don't sound drunker right now, actually. Oh, well, unfortunately, I do have to work tomorrow, but I will be uh, quite drunk on Tuesday and Wednesday for games one and two. Can't wait. World Series, election season. It's pretty exciting times ahead here. Now, guys, let's dive into this thing. And I don't think we need to do what a lot of other shows out there do. A lot of other shows do a great job. So, you know, Tom Woods, Jason Sapleton, they're, they're going to do a full recap of this debate. And you'll probably go listen to those shows. I don't know if I'm supposed to be advertising for free other libertarian shows out there. That's actually, I actually am doing that a little bit later on in the show, oddly enough. But I don't feel the need to do a really an A to Z recap of this whole thing. But what I really want to do is just start off by tossing it out there and touching on whatever points might have stood out to one of you guys uh, from this thing. And then we'll just we'll take it where it goes. We'll let the alcohol guide us the rest of the way. So, Rico, since you are the legal scholar here, and of course, people at home can't see that I have that term scholar in air quotes. But believe me, I do. Uh, he does have a law degree, folks. Now, what were your some of your initial thoughts here that, that stood out to you from this debate? Well, I must say I paid much um, more attention to like the first 40 minutes of the debate and then it just kind of 
delved into nonsense. The opening where they talked about the Supreme Court, I had a lot of thoughts about it. But the the biggest moment or moments that stood out to me is Hillary just didn't even respond to the when Trump brought up the Project Veritas videos and and the emails, you know, accusing her of, you know, or operatives or whatever you want to call them and basically engaging in voter fraud. She just like looked at him and then she gave the resume of the Clinton Foundation. So and then Chris Wallace asked no follow up about it. So that, those were that was the, the number one thing I took away from the debate. Yeah, I mean, Chris Wallace did at one point kind of press her on the Clinton Foundation uh, a little bit and and where a lot of that money goes. But I, I do think at least there was some sense of pressing Clinton uh, from Chris Wallace, uh, at least more so than the first two debates where, to me, the moderators were very clearly and overtly in the tank for Hillary, whereas Chris Wallace, well, you know, he's a Fox News guy, so there's a little bit of contentiousness there at least. All she did, though, was she she read the off basically the resume, uh, the mission statement. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, she answered no questions whatsoever. So she just skated by, and that'll be the last she has to answer for that. Good job. What, you don't think that she's going to be grilled on this stuff on, like, CNN and MSNBC over the next couple of weeks? Uh, I I do not. I think that's the last we'll have to hear about it. and uh, Or, well, not the last we will, but the last she'll have to comment on it. She did uh, quite well not having to answer any, any solid uh, questions. JB, is that uh, is that Portuguese wine kicking in at all? Are you inspired by any of these moments that you saw in this debate tonight? <laughs> Am I? No, not particularly. But I would have to say, if, as far as the moderator is concerned, that I thought he probably did the best job out of the three debates that we had to watch between these two. Like you said, I think he really adds, adds some hard-hitting questions to Hillary in particular that we weren't seeing in the previous two. And try to keep them on task and actually maybe answer the question after they're rambling to the best of his ability. I think he did a pretty good job. That's one thing I, I took out of this debate. As far as highlights are concerned, there weren't that many for me. I would say everything kind of blended into a, a bunch of nonsense, like Rico put it. But I did like how uh, Donald Trump brought up the the one part, part that I, I particularly enjoyed was when uh, Donald brought up the, uh, the the WikiLeaks about the the talk that Hillary was paid two hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, I believe, for for a Brazilian bank. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not remembering exactly if that was oh. like it was hosted by a Brazilian bank. Or Wasn't something? this the part where he was saying she said she wants open borders and she spun that by saying she was talking about energy exactly yeah. what is energy need open borders for what yeah i thought that was hilarious when she's like i was talking about energy guys God, I was she's like, so full of shit unbelievable at least come up with a good story you know if you're gonna concoct some lie about what you're really trying to say i mean don't say something ridiculous like <laughs> like open borders for energy what, what does that even mean does she need to come up with a better story because i don't think she needs to you are like, oh, she was talking about energy. She's great. Oh. Yeah, I guess not. Maybe that's that's the greater point here. Her supporters are just like, of course she's talking about energy, open borders, idiot. <laughs> Donald Trump wants to build a wall to block the sun. <laughs> she's about open borders for the sun. She's so much better. Green energy. The sun has been raping and murdering and stealing from people ever since it started coming into this country. We got to build a wall to keep out the sun. Bernie Sanders talked about building a wall. 
Yeah, you know, my, my Bernie Sanders and my Donald Trump impressions seem to kind of meld together. Philosophically speaking, wouldn't it be the libertarian position to be pro-open borders? What are your guys' thoughts on that? What do you think? Do you think the spin is necessary from our perspective? But she's spinning bullshit. I mean, what was she was talking about? It was in response to what the Project uh, Veritas videos, right? Or, or the yes, WikiLeaks? I, yeah. So I, I don't yeah, even know WikiLeaks. where the spin, what the what she was trying to spin. Oh, she basically spun this question that, that Chris Wallace asked her about, well, a statement she made at this bank, the Bra- this bank in Brazil, where she was paid something like $225,000 for this speech, where she made this statement about open borders. And somehow Hillary spins this into talking about her favorite thing, which is blaming everything on Russia, accusing uh, Vladimir Putin of helping Trump, of engaging in rigging the election. Uh, it's really her go-to tactic now for almost any accusation. She immediately deflects the revelations to the hypothetical source that there is still no evidence is the source of this. I'm I'm personally loving these Cold War tactics. It's kind of making me feel nostalgic. You know, it's like blame Russia for everything. It's kind of makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. I don't know about (laughs) you guys, but But I mean, it's so old school. It makes me wax nostalgic about about the 80s. Isn't it a little bit worrisome for anyone else out there that Hillary Clinton is accusing Russia of war crimes, pretty much not war crimes, I guess, but accusing Russia of trying to influence the election with no evidence. I mean, what's like, what's the, uh, what's the retaliation? Because if, if, if they are doing that indeed, then there should be some retaliation. You can't just throw that out there. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Well, well, what's the retaliation? Like rig a Russia's election or. (laughs) Yeah. There's really nothing like they're not taking responsibility for it. They're just like laughing her off. Like there's no really hard proof. And I don't even think that it's like it's definitely not a war crime. It's it's espionage, as you go. said. There you know, go. that's that's allowed. I think, right? You can spy on people. But is, isn't caught. espionage like revealing state secrets? All he's re- re- if Russia actually hacked, you know, whatever they're revealing her emails and her shady dealings. Uh, are those spy on anyone? Are those are those state yeah. secrets like Hillary Clinton? Well, I mean, her strategy is clearly anytime Donald Trump or anybody in the media or WikiLeaks makes some accusation against her that gets presented to her about the corruption, about rigging the DNC against Sanders, what have you, her response is always, Putin, Russia, Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump are best friends. If you want to live in Russia, then go ahead and vote for Donald Trump, because if he's president, I mean, we're just going to merge with Russia and Vladimir Putin's going to come over here and, and take the place over. So, you know, Cold War, Cold War. But uh, Trump gropes women. But uh, I'm sorry. What did you ask me? Never mind. Moving along. Well, they actually have, they're going to have a new thing. The media and Hillary Clinton campaign and the DNC will have a new thing to new thing to spin off after this uh, after this debate. Um, oh, a spinoff. I love a good spinoff. <laughs> Just like Felony Friday. Good spin-off. We have to recap those two. Felony Friday, Joni and Chachi, so many good spinoffs. Be- because uh, Trump said at one point, at one point, will you will you accept the results or an election? He said, I don't know. Maybe not. We'll, we'll see what happens. 
What, what does that mean exactly, except the election results? I, I'm trying to figure out why they keep harping on this with Donald Trump. I mean, I understand it's because he's mentioned, you know, the election being rigged, but he, he seems to be largely referring to what's actually come out uh, with these uh, Project Veritas uh, and, and the undercover stuff of all the, the DNC-related uh, organizations that are supporting the Clinton campaign and their thuggish tactics and the rigging of the DNC against Sanders, all of which is completely documented and completely known to be true i mean are they afraid that like donald trump and uh alex jones and roger stone are gonna show up at the white house with like a militia and all the moving trucks and saying uh, i'll move it into the white house i got the moving trucks i'm gonna move in i don't care about this election result i mean i just i don't understand what the what what they actually think is going to occur if donald trump just says oh i think this is bullshit uh, so what i mean he, he's not gonna be able to do anything well that's yeah that's what that's the image you're trying to build they're trying to build this image of donald trump as this, this authoritarian dictator that if he doesn't win the election through the democratic process that has there's no fraud and, and everything's clean then he's just going to take over the government that's exactly what they're trying to trying to convey well, what are they gonna do they're gonna say mr trump you lost the election he's just gonna say wrong <laughs> wrong wrong no i got the moving trucks i won we're moving in we're gonna paint the place purple it's gonna be wonderful i'm gonna be a great president yeah, so we're recording this for people listening on a Wednesday right after the debate. This isn't going to air until Monday. I guarantee you between today and when you hear this, all you're going to hear about on CNN, MSNBC, CBS, whatever, is hysteria that Donald Trump does not believe in American democracy and it's not going to accept the results and it's going to take over the country if he loses. How is more time spent on that stupid question than the fact that, you know, uh, people in her packs are sending people to his uh, rallies to incite violence. They're shipping people from state to state to state to vote. Um, the Obama administration released a statement, oh, don't believe everything or anything you see in those videos. Yet both of those people were fired today or yesterday. So, But more time was spent on whether Trump is going to issue a, a, a very nice statement congratulating Hillary if and when he loses. It's absurd. It is absurd. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, any sane person can, can look at this from a, from a neutral position, which I think all of us are. I don't think any of us are for either of these candidates even remotely at all. You know what? I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to come clean. I am biased. I cannot freaking take it anymore. I cannot stand Hillary Clinton. I have been pushed too far with this woman. I am. Yeah, too. I was just about to say that. I don't think you guys are 50-50 down the line whatsoever. I'll be completely honest. No, you're right. And I'll be completely honest. I, I can't be. I cannot be. I, I watched this woman for 30 years be in government, pushing some of the absolute worst inhumane policies, starting wars in Libya, starting wars in Iraq, starting wars in Syria, funding terrorist groups, uh, rigging DNC elections, uh, you know, it's instituting terrible laws. Laws, terrible drug laws, which saw millions and millions of people sent to jail with mandatory minimums. After seeing everything this woman has done over the last several decades, it is just really, really hard for me not to be biased against her. We're definitely veering down the road of being very biased, I feel, because Donald Trump did not do well in this debate at all. You want to talk about Hillary not answering questions? Donald Trump never answers a question ever. Everything that comes out of his mouth is ridiculous. The problem and when with he Trump gets called out on it, 
He completely sideswipes it like he doesn't. Ex- it doesn't exist. He went back to talking about building the fucking like the two thousand mile wall that is ridiculous and never going to happen. Hillary Clinton called him out on deporting eleven million people, which is completely unfeasible. He didn't. He didn't address that. He claims he likes free trade, but then decides to crap all over NAFTA, which is a free trade agreement, and doesn't explain nah, why he doesn't to, like NAFTA. Uh, I'm gonna have to stop NAFTA. you there for a sec. It's, I mean. Free well, trade is, well yeah. the thing is, you it, can, it has you the can, words in it. You can, you can, you can, you can have all the problems you want with NAFTA. You can poke holes all you want through NAFTA. What I'm saying is that he did not do that. He didn't explain what's wrong with NAFTA. Well, that's he doesn't explain anything. You know he why? Can't. Because he, he can't exactly. Because he, he has, can't. he has no he depth has no of knowledge in, in anything. And, and that, yeah. that's what I thought when I was listening to Trump when he was rambling. Like to start, Clinton gave this all these explanations and all these things she wanted out of the new Supreme Court justices. I disagree with basically all of them. But when it was Trump's turn to talk, he just rambled and it was basically incoherent. There was no substance at all. And that's pretty much how the entire night went. There's just and I kind of think uh, it's not completely his fault. He's not a politician. So it's basically impossible for him to have the same depth of knowledge on all these subjects like Clinton does. That, that's what she does. But uh, on the other hand, he really hasn't taken the time to learn much. He's been running for over a year. And basically all I can say is ISIS, ISIS, ISIS. Do you want to know why? Do you want to know why Donald Trump doesn't spend time carefully crafting positions and laying out detailed policy statements and pulling out all sorts of fancy charts and graphs and breaking down the technical aspects of what he wants to do? I totally agree. He probably has no freaking idea what he wants to do, and it probably changes every single day. But the reason he doesn't do that is because he knows that Americans don't vote based on that. He knows that emotional triggers are what really push people to gravitate towards a certain candidate. That's why he's been so successful. That's why he's gotten where he is, because he knows how to key in on certain phrases, and he knows how to go after certain demographics, and he knows how to rile people up, he knows how to get attention, he knows how to have the spotlight put on him. I mean, and he, in many ways, he does some of what Ron Paul used to do. Ron Paul, and Odie, you've talked about this before, but Ron Paul shared some of those aspects in the sense that he had his key phrases, end the feds, bring the troops home. Only with Ron Paul, he was actually coming from a truthful place. I mean, Ron Paul is only like Donald Trump in the sense that Donald Trump, uh, you know, is, is able to use that same method of, of hitting on key phrases, only, you know, all the actual intellectualism and truth and, and reason and all that great stuff we, we loved about Ron Paul uh, is uh, sort of missing from Trump. Yeah, he's a Ron Paul if Ron Paul lost his brain entirely. It was like blown out of his skull <laughs> and left on the sidewalk. That's what it would be. <laughs> I would have to say personally. I mean, occasionally he does come across as saying some things that you could see Ron Paul saying, like when he's talking about making Germany, Japan, Saudi Arabia pay for their own defense because we can't afford to just continue to send them billions and billions of dollars every year. Uh, when he talks about in the other debate, you know, looking at the Fed and the debt. I mean, believe me, I'm not trying to remotely compare the two men uh, on an intellectual level, but there is some element of that, 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 that aspect of I don't know if Trump is specifically trying to reach Ron Paul people. But he knows that there is some anti-war sentiment out there. He understands that people are concerned about the debt. And he does try to hit on those talking points. And a lot of those talking points are why Ron Paul achieved a certain level of success himself. Yeah, Trump Trump doesn't have any principles. I mean, he is entirely 100%. He's, he's a populist. All he's doing is latching onto ideas that 
he knows lots of other people agree with. And, and he's just talking about them very vaguely. Uh, I think one of the funniest parts that, of the debate for me, one of the most ridiculous things that Trump said, I don't know if you guys caught this, they were talking about immigration. Of course, Trump was talking about we need strong borders, got to keep the drugs out. And he was talking about new, new, uh, the heroin problem in New Hampshire. I don't know how he got up on that. But then he said, we, we have some bad hombres. We got to get them out. Did you guys catch that? I did yeah, I did. Even, even Hillary let out, let out a chuckle when he said that. I thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> I, I totally missed that one somehow. Yeah, it was right after he was talking about the wall. <laughs> did he actually pronounce the H? Bad, uh, no, he said bad hombres. Hombres. Oh, okay. hombres. Yeah. I said hombres. Yeah. Would have been much funnier if he said hombres. Silent H, Joey. I don't speak Spanish. Sorry about that mispronunciation. To all our Mexican listeners out there. <laughs> Odie does not speak Spanish. That, that's a well-known fact. Uh, this might be a good time to take a very brief commercial break while we gather ourselves a little bit, learn how to properly pronounce words, and we'll come back after a quick word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up to the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. This is Chris Spangle, and I am the host of We Are Libertarians, which you can find in iTunes, Google Play, or at wearelibertarians.com. We are a podcast that brings you all of the irreverence that modern politics deserves by examining current events from a libertarian perspective. So please, check us out at wearelibertarians.com. Hey everyone, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com and you can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty, rock and roll. All right, and we're back just like that. You guys still with me? Yeah, yeah, I fell asleep. I'm back. What's up? All right, just checking. You you never know. We are tossing them back here pretty hard. I I wanted to bring up something. I just looked at some of the things I wrote down. Okay, so the Second Amendment at at the beginning, they were talking about the uh, Heller decision that was a few years ago. And Hillary kept bringing up toddlers. Did, Did you guys catch this? Like oh, she yeah, acted like the the uh, case was about whether toddlers could have access to guns. She she mentioned toddlers two or three times, which it had nothing to do with the case at all. There was like a mandatory um, triggering lock or something, but it had nothing to do with toddlers. All that the court said was you can't. Um, you did have the the Second Amendment didn't just extend it. To the militia, and there was you know little more details, but she just totally and it extends to toddlers. It's <laughs> that was not the holding of the Heller court. So just so people are clear, and that's why you are our legal scholar. I, I think a direct a direct quote that Hillary had in that same exchange. She said, "I don't want people to have guns who are going to kill your family." Well, thanks a lot, Hillary. I don't want them to have guns either, but it freaking happens. I mean, well, let's ban use of guns to kill family. If only there was a law on the. You know, I bet there's a lot of families in Iraq, in Syria, in Libya that wish Hillary Clinton hadn't been around, uh, you know, giving weapons to certain people that went on to kill them. Ooh, burn. 
Yeah, you're darn right, Burn. Because you know, I, I just can't stand the hypocrisy. I cannot stand the hypocrisy of this woman. She gets up there talking about the danger of guns and the danger of, of people owning guns and having too many guns on the street while this woman is involved in literally shipping guns to Mexican drug cartels, in literally arming terrorist groups in the Middle East, in literally fomenting civil wars, resulting in the deaths of tens of thousands of people. It's absolutely mind-blowing. I'm sure many of those people were toddlers and families, the ones she Seems to love so much. I cannot take it. I can't take it. Yeah, and she she also she talked about the toddlers. It must it must have been polling. Like her thing is talking about kids, helping children, helping families. Because then when, when they were talking about Aleppo, she talked about that the, the terrible picture of of the of the the bloodied boy in, in Aleppo in a hospital. I mean, Hillary, how many how many children has Hillary Clinton's policies killed? I mean, thousands, hundreds of thousands. Uh, probably not hundreds of thousands. But yeah, it's it's insane. It's ridiculous. And liberals just let it go in one ear, out the other. Don't question it. It's it's I, I don't what, know what to say about that, it. What did that picture have to do with anything? There, there could be horrible pictures of, you know, all the wars in Africa and Asia. I, I don't understand what her point of bringing that up was that we have to do more in Syria. Like, what was she getting at exactly? She wasn't getting at anything. She never is. Yeah, she wasn't getting it. Okay, well, that, that's easy. Then. <laughs> she was humanizing herself somehow. I don't know, I guess. Hey, look over here at this sad thing happening. Ignore the part where I actually contributed to the reason the sad thing is happening. Anyway, look at the sad thing. Hey, look at me. I'm a human. I'm not a robot. I'm Hillary. Love me. Just to play devil's advocate here, um, the only reason we're not saying these things about Donald Trump is because he's never held political office. There's nothing he says in his rhetoric or anything I feel about his personality to think he would do anything different. And that is absolutely a valid point. So let's just put that out there. That is the difference, though. I think that's, yeah. That's... The things he was saying about Iran, the things he was saying about China, he basically said we should have been in, we should have stayed in Iraq forever. Like, we've been in Germany and Japan for like 70 years. He thinks we should have did the same exact thing in Baghdad and Mosul and stayed there for 70 plus years and never leave. These are the types of things coming out of his mouth, and I don't think any of the things we're saying about Hillary would be any different if it was Secretary of the State Donald Trump. And he says we should have taken all of the oil out of Iraq. Yeah, which... and then he wanted to commit a war crime by basically robbing a country blind after invading them. So, really, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a terrible, terrible choice of people. It's, <laughs> it's really... Just it's... to play devil's advocate here, because someone needs to beat up on Trump a little bit, I feel. Just a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Because that's one thing that drives me crazy about Trump is, is one minute he'll come all, across almost anti-war. We shouldn't be in Iraq. We shouldn't be nation building. And then the next minute he's like, well, but since we did, we really got to double down and, and go all the way with this thing. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it just makes no sense. I, I get that he probably senses the public is generally against the Iraq war and there's generally anti-war sentiment right now. So he wants to to set himself apart from everybody else in the primaries and Hillary Clinton who were for the Iraq war by being against it. But then he also wants to be Mr. Toughy Tough on ISIS. So he's got to say, well, we're going to go get him and, and blow him up and take the oil and all that crap. So let's 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 talk this through. Let's do a little libertarian ex- exercise. So, you know, Trump Trump's talking about. I don't have to actually exercise, Trump, do I? Trump claims he was no ex- no actual exercise. Trump claims he was against Iraq, but once you know, once you're in there, you had to stay there. So as so, say a libertarian president, not Gary Johnson, since he's not libertarian. Say uh, I don't know, Austin Austin Peterson becomes president, and when he is when he is elected, he's inaugurated. The U.S. is at war in still in Iraq, in Afghanistan, and in, in Libya, and Syria, and all these places. 
what's a libertarian president to do? Do, do you just pull out at, at that point in time? Is, is there something that, that should be done to stabilize the region? Um, is there some sort of way that we can communicate the ideas of liberty to the people on the ground to get them to... <laughs> Here's what you do. You give everyone your airdrop. You go and send the Air Force in. They airdrop in, uh, you know, iPads, iPods, I- iPod shuffles, whatever, and they come preloaded, pre-subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast. And then they learn about the ideas of liberty, and then, you know, after a generation or so, they come around to the ideas of liberty, and, uh, you know, we win. We're going to be doing this for 30 years. Is that what you just said? <laughs> yeah, basically. It's going to take a generation. It's a generation of iPhones. You guys... Be iPhone 37, and then we'll be there. You guys didn't read your contract you signed? Oh, okay. You signed the contract, Rico. You can't break the contract. If you break it, you'll be violating the non-aggression principle, and then we got to kick you out of Liberty Club. <laughs> Nobody wants that. See how we just pivoted off that question Odie asked? Because it's, it's a hard question. It's very so hard. So let's just... It's an impossibly change, hard question. I have no idea. To, to answer a question directly, Odie, I have no idea. Yeah, my, my gut would tell me to get out as quickly as possible. Because if it, just to say, because I feel like whatever I do, is just going to end up blowing up in my face. And my best course of action is just to try to get out as quickly as possible. That's what I would do if pressed. Here's what I would do. And yes, it's a, it's an impossible situation and extremely difficult. And uh, I don't think there's any good solution because of the mess that's been built up over the last you know half a century of our meddling in the Middle East. It's impossible to separate uh, the reality from any kind of principle you might want to try to apply. But what I think you need to do if you're a libertarian, you come in and you say, look, our government and other people elected in our government have committed terrible crimes. In these countries, in your country, speak to the rest of the world, broadcast it out there and say, we have been imperialists. We've, su- we've supported bad regimes. We supported ter- terrible policies. Many of your people have died. These were horrible crimes and we're going to stop. We're going to reverse course. We're not going to do this. We are going to stand for freedom. We are going to stand for individual rights. We're going to stop funding the regimes that oppress you. We're going to stop funding terrorist groups. You got to at least start by admitting all the bad things that have been done and pledging to stop them. Now, now, at the same time, you can say, we're not going to tolerate terrorism. When there is a terrorist attack, say, I don't know, a terrorist attacks, uh, you know, a, a mall in Wisconsin. I don't know. And they do some research. They do an investigation like law enforcement is supposed to do, not just jumping to conclusions and starting bombing countries. They do an investigation. They figure out who's involved. Uh, preferably, they go to those countries, present some evidence, and get these people extradited, and then, you know, pursue justice. <laughs> but uh, I know that's not how these things always work. But at the end of the day, if you need to go into another country to defend justice, it's not ideal. But even Ron Paul would say if you're attacked, did say on this program in episode 200, if you're attacked, you have the right to respond and retaliate. And I think at the end of the day, when there are actual attacks and actual actors, it's okay to respond to them. But you got to admit the wrongs first. That's probably why you uh, don't nation build in the first place. Let's not get involved in this again. True, but yeah, that was kind of the point of my question is that's not really – that's kind of a cop-out to say that. Well, yeah, I, I understand. I mean, how do you get out of Iraq or Afghanistan or whatever at this point in time when everything's gone to hell? Uh, how much ground support? And that's what they're dancing around is because neither one wants to say, well, we want to send in ground troops because no one wants that, obviously. You don't want – 
more people going over there and fighting this war forever. So they say, oh, we'll just send in, you know, air support because, you know, obviously we can fly planes and drop bombs on ISIS and we're all fine and dandy, but maybe some collateral damage will happen. But that's easy for the public to accept. As a libertarian, you probably want to withdraw as quickly as possible, but not leave a complete vacuum. And how do you dance around those competing um, you know, aspects? It's impossible to really say. All right. Well, Austin Peterson, you heard it. You got a heck of a mess to deal with in 2020 when you become president, like, like Odie predicted here. Can someone ask Gary Johnson that question? (laughs) God, please don't. He'd say, what's Iraq? Oh man. Say, Oh geez. I don't know. Oh, that's a really good question. He'd say, uh, Bill, Bill here's got some thoughts on this. Actually, Bill was uh, the one who's responsible for our Iraqi policy. So yeah, he'd say Bill, Bill here was actually a big fan of the Iraq war and supported it. So you know, he's got the experience. He's got, he's got lots of thoughts on this. <laughs> uh, do you guys want to talk about this for a minute? The, 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 the state of the libertarian party, because there was this article going around recently that, uh, Caused a little bit of a controversy in the libertarian community online, uh, and it talked about how some of the libertarian candidates and other people in the libertarian community are not all big fans of Gary Johnson and Nicholas Sarwark, the LP chair. Good guy. Been on the show before. He was quoted uh, as saying, and I'm not going to actually quote it because that would require pulling up the article, and hey, I'm drinking. I'm busy. But Nicholas was basically saying, you know, like, look, these guys, these guys that are, you know, talking about Gary and Weld and, and, and talking against them there. They just don't have the best interests of the party. They're just haters. Couple of haters, couple of haters, couple of haters, couple of haters. That's definitely not an exact quote, but uh, a lot of people were pissed off about that. And in fairness, the uh, Nick's defense, he did say this is like a half hour interview and they pulled out like two lines from it, but he said that it, it, it was an accurate quote. Uh, not the couple of haters part. That was me. Uh, but you know, he basically it was saying that if you're these people criticizing Johnson and Weld, they're not people that matter within the party because they don't care about the party. So we don't need to worry about them. And I, I just don't think that's the case. I think there's a lot of legitimate people criticizing Johnson and Weld that are doing so because they care so much about the party. If you don't care about the party, you know, why even bother? Cause I mean, w- me and Adam Dick were even saying if they were independents, we might look at them a lot more favorably because they are, you know, objectively probably a lot better than Clinton or Trump. The problem is they're out there supposedly representing liter- libertarianism while literally going against the party platform in many different ways. I mean, you got Bill Weld out there, you know, talking about guns being weapons of mass destruction and putting people on no fly lists. I mean, this is stuff that is just 100 percent against the libertarian party platform. Yeah, they're good on a lot of things, but they're bad in a lot of things, too. And what I like so much about libertarians and being in this group of people, um, we are not afraid to criticize each other. We're not afraid to criticize libertarian candidates. You know, towing the company line. That's what Republicans do. That's what Democrats do. They say, all right, we're past the primaries and now we got to unite our message and we're going to plow forward and we're going to win this thing. And yeah, maybe libertarians are, are stupid if they don't do that in, in some sense of the word, because politics is, is practical in a way. But what is the point of a libertarian party if it's not going to be standing for libertarian principles? If it's just going to be a party whose sole mission is to grow, no matter the cost, no matter the principles that must be sacrificed, then there is literally no point in, in the party existing at all. Isn't their goal, if that's their goal to get 15 percent, isn't there the – the end game contrary to the party's principles in the first place. Like if your goal is to get federal money, 
you're kind of contradicting core values of the Libertarian Party to begin with. And some would argue that taking the federal money is just trying to get on an even playing field with the Republicans and Democrats. But to me, if that's the way you want to go about getting on the even playing field by becoming that what you hate, becoming that which you criticize, I mean, what is the point? You know, Daryl Perry said this at the convention. He said the second that this party takes federal money, it'll be the death of the party. He pointed at the Reform Party. The second they took that federal money, 10 years later, party didn't exist. That doesn't mean that would happen to the Libertarian Party. But if you're growing and growing, and the way you're growing is by just collecting human beings, you know, and not having any sort of caring about what their principles are, what they stand for, then honestly, what is the point of the the party existing? And that's the question people are going to have to ask themselves going forward after 2016. I'll I'll just say this. If if Gary Johnson and Bill Weld and that type of libertarianism, which is not libertarianism, if that is the future of the Libertarian Party, then I don't want any part of it. I mean, it's it's because what, what what's the point of that? What's the point of having a re- Republican light party? What's the point of having a party not based in principle? There, there is none. I mean, it's, that's, it, that's, that, that's that's we already got a couple of those. That's why I was attracted to the Libertarian Party. And I'm sure you guys were in the first place because. People stood for principle, and they've elected their you know poor candidates in the past, Bob Barr and and whatnot. But I mean, it's 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 just sad at a time when so many people, so many young people, are recognizing the corruption and the problems with the two major parties that the Libertarian Party just pretty much throws in the towel and says, "Let's find the two most establishment characters we have. Let's put them up." It's just stupid. So I don't know. Ran over. <laughs> I didn't have like strong feelings against Gary Johnson at first, you know, he seemed, I, I didn't know a whole lot about him. Um, but the more he talked, the more he lays out his positions, the less I liked him. And I think that's a fair reaction. You know, the way I looked at Gary at first is that he's a nice guy who, you know, might not be all that philosophical, but he generally has good instincts and he's got a lot of overlap with libertarian ideas and, and generally just seems pretty good on a lot of issues. So I, I never really had too much of a problem with him, but a couple things happened and, and you got to give some credit to Austin Peterson in the primaries for going out of his way to point out a lot of Gary's inconsistencies and to challenge him on the issues. That's what libertarians are supposed to do. We're supposed to try to challenge each other on the issues. We're supposed to have these debates to try to figure out the difference between right and wrong. And Gary just didn't seem interested in that discussion most of the time. And if, if he did engage in it, he just didn't seem like he had much, much of a philosophical grounding. You know, he just kind of meanders like we still see him do now. I mean, bake the cake was his first Aleppo as far as I'm concerned. And then after he squeaks through at the convention, he, he brings in this Weld character, and, and half the time, if he's not too busy making some stupid gaff or sticking his damn tongue out, he's tossing it over to Bill Weld. And then Bill Weld just spouts totally anti-libertarian garbage, whether it's about guns, uh, whether it's about uh, no fly, no buy. I mean, the guy is just constantly not only undermining the Libertarian Party platform, he undermines Gary when he's sitting next to him. It's unbelievable. I, mean, I, I just don't know what I'm supposed to make of this stuff. I mean, and, and I'm proud that we have the Roger Paxons, the Jason Stapletons, the Dave Smiths, us at Lions of Liberty, who aren't just going to bow down to some party and just tow a line and just say everything's fine and shut up for the next three months. And Mark, you know what the worst part about this whole situation is? 
I feel if he was more principled, if he did stick to his libertarian guns, he would actually be doing better. Absolutely. That's how I, I truly, truly feel that he would actually probably be doing better if he was actually more of a real libertarian, to be honest with you. <sighs> Odie, maybe you got to send Bill Weld a, a Make Liberty Great Again hat. And make Mexico pay for it. <laughs> make those hombres pay. All right, so we should probably pivot back to the topic at hand before we wind down here. And, you know, honestly, I don't know if we're going to do another one of these shows talking about the election. Uh, We might have some sort of Halloween special. I don't want to give too much away, mostly because we're still figuring it out. But uh, unclear how much election talk we're really going to get in before November 8th. I got a couple awesome interviews coming up, too. Plenty of great content. But the next time we do one of these might actually be after the election. So maybe we should just start by putting it out there with our election predictions. So... Odie, why don't you start us off first? What do you think we're going to be looking at come November 9th? Yeah, I mean, this this is tough. Um, I think I think at this point, though, it's so obvious that the media is in bed with the Hillary Clinton campaign. They're not reporting on the WikiLeaks emails. They're not reporting on the Project Veritas uh, stuff exposing outright election fraud, outright inciting violence at Republican rallies, at Trump rallies. So it's... It's it's so obvious that the whole entire establishment and media is behind Hillary Clinton. I can't see there any way uh, Donald Trump overcoming that. It might be closer than some of the polls are saying. Some polls are saying Hillary's up by 11 percent right now or, or uh, 10 percent or so. I don't think it's going to be going to be that much off. I, I think the, the boldest prediction I'll make, I'll make one, one bold prediction is I think Evan McMullen will win Utah. That's no. going to blow people's minds when that happens. Yeah. And, and it could happen. He's currently polling in first in that state, which is crazy. I, I don't think the guy can even is even on enough ballots to get to 270. Meanwhile, the guy that's on 50 ballots, Gary Johnson, uh, he ain't polling first anywhere. I'll, I'll tell you what, if that does happen, the entire board of the Libertarian Party should resign. Because if you can't, you put up a candidate that's on the ballot in all 50 states and some guy just throws his hat in the ring a couple months before the election and wins a state. And has a VP yes. named Mindy Finn. Is that a, is that a real person? What? How, how is this guy going to win with a VP named Mindy Finn? I'm sure she's a lovely lady. No offense to to the Finn family. It's nothing wrong with the name Mindy. If you're a listener, your name is Mindy. You're fine. You're great. I'm sure you're awesome. No, no offense to any Finns or any Mindy's who happen to be out there in the audience. All right, moving along. Rico, you're next. I don't think it's going to be particularly close at this point in time. Uh, Trump did nothing today to really solidify any support that he doesn't already have. You know, rambling answers. He's not very deep. I mean, he does entertain me at times. (laughs) The part where he said (laughs) she called him a puppet. Of the Russian government, he's like, you're a puppet. <laughs> like, you're a puppet. <laughs> like, we're watching a you're second a grade debate here, people. Exactly. I wish you would have put his hands up and started talking like a puppet. No puppet. You're a puppet. No puppet. You're a puppet. I, I also really liked when Trump uh, kind of pointed out her comment about being a staunch defender of the Second Amendment. And he's basically like, yeah, I don't know if she's being sarcastic or, or what. <laughs> I, I laughed out loud in that one. 
He is entertaining. Yeah, he is. He's a showman. Of all politicians, he is probably the most entertaining. Uh, if he could just run for president continually but never actually become the president, I'd be in favor of that because the comedy is the, the, the one other thing I'll just say about Trump and the Republicans is the WikiLeaks and the Project Veritas videos just really make clear how much uh, – better or well-coordinated the Democratic Party is than the Republicans, because there's no way in hell the Democrats would have allowed someone like Trump to get to the point where he's the actual nominee. You know, if the Republicans had any kind of organization, not not that it's a good thing that Democrats have this, but if the Republicans had it, Trump would have been done for a year ago. So I, all I, do, I expect out of this is Republicans to see what the, the level the Democrats are up and step up their corruption game. So we'll have that to look forward to in four years. And part of what came out in the recent WikiLeaks release was that the DNC was actively trying to promote Trump to the top of the RNC ticket because they saw him as the weakest. So uh, apparently they have more control over the Republican process uh, than the Republican Party does. But just imagine if there was someone who was actually knowledgeable and had debate experience, like no matter how much I hate Ted Cruz, he would have done much better hammering Hillary on some of these things. And Trump could just Trump, not a debater and he's not well-versed, but not a puppet. <laughs> you're a puppet. All right, JB, you're up next. What are you thinking here? I'm thinking Hillary's going to be the next president of the United States right now, to be honest with you. I'll have to go with it. I don't, I don't see Trump making up any really much of the ground that he's lost or maybe never really even had. And I'd be surprised to see him become president, especially with some of the states that are up in the balance, especially my my dear state of Pennsylvania. Looks like it's going to go to Clinton. And I'm not certain about Ohio. Maybe Rico might know better than me, but some of the states that he kind of needed to Trump win to just, have the chance. Trump just I don't fired the uh, the head of the GOP in the state of Ohio. Trump like he, fired? He, well, it, I mean, he doesn't really have complete control, but he's basically the, the, the guy in charge of the G, Ohio GOP is just they're done with each other. It, three weeks before the election, it, it's well, they're it's not. Like, Paul Ryan's not even talking to it's him. insane. Yeah. Is Trump basically a third party at this point in time? <laughs> kind of. I mean, he, he's basically Donald Trump, this 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 unbridled beast using the Republican Party as his vessel to to be Donald Trump. Sort of like how Gary Johnson and Bill Weld are using the Libertarian Party as a vessel. Took the words right out of my mouth, Odie. <laughs> right out of my mouth. All right. It's time to get to my prediction. And um I'm going to sort of agree with all of you and then sort of do something different. <laughs> so uh, I, I, at this point, I mean, I, I can't see what I predicted this whole time, a Trump landslide, a massive Trump victory happening now, because honestly, I, I think that, like you guys said, the DNC is, is better at this. They're crooked as all hell, and they have effectively shifted public opinion, I think, in many ways so far against Trump uh, with the groping stuff, with the the pussygate tapes, if you will, uh, with painting him as dangerous, uh, and he may, may, may very well be, but the point being, their marketing has upped their game, and Hillary is, as she's a master of, of persuasion 
like Trump is. So they both learned this stuff from Tony Robbins. You can look this up. You can see pictures of all three of them together. They both learned from the master, from Tony Robbins, how to persuade people. So I guess it's not shocking that Hillary had some tricks up her sleeve as well. But uh, basically, my prediction, I do think that uh, Trump is not going to have this massive victory because because of that, because because of how much they've been able to take him down and take him down by his character. However, I do not think that the Trump phenomenon has has died altogether. I mean, I think he does have a base that he's really rallied. I think he's going to have victories in all the states you'd expect him to have victories. And I do think in some of these swing states, I still think there is such an underpolled level of Trump support and level of anti-Hillary sentiment that I think he is still going to pull out some surprising states. Maybe Pennsylvania, maybe even Florida. I think he's going to pull out a couple key states, not all of them, but a few of them. And I agree with Odie that Evan McMullen is going to win Utah. Now, there are scenarios, and I'm just going to toss out one of them, where Evan McMullen wins Utah. There are scenarios where even if he doesn't win Utah, this is possible, but where neither Trump nor Hillary gets to 270 electoral votes. And then it goes to the House of Representatives. And then we're going to have fun, guys. Ooh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, who is right? I have no idea this could actually happen. It can actually happen. I know it can. Um, it's not likely. I understand that. And maybe, you know, just like you guys said, we'll wake up and it'll just be Hillary and, and whatever. But, man, if there's any year something like this would happen, it would be this year, the craziest election season I have ever seen. Who Me would too. win that scenario? Because you got the CIA guy. Versus the Clinton machine. Could you imagine if Evan McMullen wins Utah and, and wins the presidency? I mean, I could see it. I could see him winning that scenario over Trump. That would be so crazy. I mean, to, to think that this guy could win one state and then somehow enough anti-Trump and anti-Hillary people come together to, to put him in office. I mean, that would feel like a, a coup. Can you, I think can you, I, imagine, what, can you what, imagine all the threats from the Clinton machine coming out if that happened? But wouldn't... Like, logically, you think Trump would win if that happened? Because I think if you look at the typical presidential electoral map, there's lots of red because a lot of the states that tend to lean Republican tend to be in the middle, and there's lots of them, but they have low populations, therefore low electoral votes. If it's every state for themselves, that their, their worth gets bumped up significantly higher. Like, come on, more people live in my neighborhood than live in Montana. So like, that's a, that's a fact. That's a fact. That's what fact checked. That's basically the case, you know? So now like with electoral votes and population out of the question, I think that's decidedly a Republican win. If it's every one state, one vote. That would be an insane scenario. I would be watching. I don't know what I'd be watching. I hate all the media. Oh, you would just be. You know, listening to Lions of Liberty all day long, every day. I just have to talk to you every day. There's plenty of plenty of back episodes to listen to. <laughs> and I think the best part about it would be all the Americans figuring out that it's not just a vote. I mean, I, I think to this day, most people, the casual man on the street still thinks you just go vote for president. And then whoever gets the most votes wins, even though we already had the, the Bush Gore thing back in 2000. I mean, that's pre 9-11. So I, I think that that's basically uh, ancient history in the minds of most Americans. And you know, it would be really interesting to see this thing actually go to the House of Representatives. And if anybody wants to learn how this process works, I cannot highly recommend enough the uh, last season of Veep on HBO, uh, where this scenario actually plays out where 
where uh, you know two candidates don't get to 270 and they have to go to the House and it's this whole process and uh, it's really interesting. So Veep actually does a really good job of, of breaking that whole thing down. So I highly recommend checking that out. Something else I got to highly recommend checking out is this coming Wednesday's episode when I'm going to be interviewing Chuck Dixon. He's a former writer of Batman, and he's also the graphic novel adapter of the book Clinton Cash, which breaks down the whole Clinton Foundation. So you can see exactly what we're talking about. Have a great conversation. Come with Chuck Dixon. Really interesting guy. We got to talk about comic books, talk about Batman, talk about the Clintons, and just the massive transparent levels of corruption. And you really got to hear and read about this stuff to, to, to believe the depths that these people have go, gone to um, and, and the levels of corruption. It's, it's really amazing. And, and when you see some of this stuff laid out and, and hear it talked about, it's you can't even believe that this is not, you know, headline news and you know on the mainstream media on cnn on msnbc i guess it's not shocking at all uh to people like us who've been paying attention but it certainly should be so i'm happy to have chuck on this wednesday to talk about that and odie why don't you give everyone a preview of this coming friday's edition of felony friday yeah we will have part two of my interview with pete hendrickson where we're talking about the income tax the history of the income tax and a way that pete hendrickson has found where people have actually got money back from the government and not paid any income tax at all. So definitely tune in for that. All right. Well, I'm definitely interested in that. <laughs> just like Donald Trump. We can all be like Donald Trump and just pay no taxes. That sounds phenomenal. <laughs> Point being, there's plenty of content coming for you here at Lions of Liberty. I urge you to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, leave us a five-star reading, leave us a great review, tell your friends and family, and please come join the conversation over in our private Facebook group, the Lions of Liberty Forum. Just type Lions of Liberty Forum in your little search bar, and you can come on in and join the convo. Until next time, folks, live long and live free.